0: Expanding the table looks like this, relationships would be deepened, barriers of age, race, gender would be broken, invitations to the table would be endless, lives would be transformed by the love of Christ. Well, good morning, church. We are super excited about our Advent series. We do invite you to come conspire with us and help make Christmas meaningful again. But before we get there, we are in our final week of our vision series today, Expanding the Table 2020. And when you walked in the sanctuary today, hopefully you noticed something a little different, right? The table is getting bigger. So for some of you, it might have been difficult to get to your seats. Some of you even tried to steal some of that fake bread on the table. Don't do that. It's not real bread. As inconvenient as the tables may be, we want to give you a visual picture of what it looks like to expand the table. Now, for the last three weeks, we've talked about what it means to be a three-chair church, a church that cares about the past, the present, and the future. And in the first week of the series, we had one small table on the stage. Last week, the table got bigger as we discussed what it means to invite others to the table. And so that week, we focused on the left-hand chair, the future chair, That's the chair for those who are not here yet. And so we offered a challenge to pray about that one person God is calling you to invite to his table. And when you walked in here this morning, you got a picture of what the table might look like if we all take that challenge seriously. Now just imagine if we all started inviting those who don't know Christ to the table. The table would expand beyond our wildest dreams. Now, we've mentioned several times throughout the series that NBC has been on this corner for 170 years. And I want to point out something important. A church does not exist for 170 years unless they have a vision which cares about that left-hand chair. Proverbs 29, 18 puts it this way, where there is no vision, the people perish. And without a vision to reach those far from God, a church eventually closes its doors, Andy Stanley defines vision this way. He says, vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Do we have a conviction that there should be more chairs at the table? Because churches that only care about the first two chairs, well, they slowly decline and eventually die. Now, we don't want to be one of those churches. We want to be a three-chair church. And so our vision is to expand the table for the glory of God. So, this morning, I'd like to take a deeper dive into how this vision is playing out here at NBC. In January, I will be completing my ninth year of serving as a pastor here at NBC. And I have to tell you, I have never been more excited about what God is doing in our church. Uh, I also want to mention that although I am preaching this message today, it is coming from both Pastor Dave and myself. We wrote this message together, and we were supposed to deliver it together. But as you heard already, Pastor Dave, uh, even though he really wanted to be part of this, uh, they're grieving a big loss in their family right now, and it wouldn't be right for him to be up here today. So our prayers do extend to Dave and his family. But know that he's also excited about what is going on here at NBC. So with all that said, today what I'd like to do is take some time to celebrate what God has done in the past and anticipate what he will do in the future. And so we'll explore this in three movements. First, got to start by looking backward. But we can't stay there. We also have to look forward. And then finally, when we know where we're going, we have to look inward and ask, what's my role in this vision? Look backward, look forward, look inward. That's what I'd like to discuss with you today. And before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my friends who are here Lord, I don't know how everybody has walked into this room today, Lord, but I pray that you would encourage us, encourage us, that you would propel us forward, that you would give us your heart for your church, for the world, for your gospel, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for us, Lord, which is the hope of the world, which is our motivation, Lord. May that be central today, and we ask that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, I think... All of us at some point in our lives ask the question, What is God's will for my life? And when we ask that question, we're getting at the idea of purpose. All of us need purpose in our lives in order to uh, understand what's going on, otherwise, we wither and die. And the same is true for the church. Now, a number of years ago, I was having a conversation with a friend about the will of God, and specifically, I asked, Well, how do you know God's will? Right, the age old question. And I will never forget his answer because it changed my whole view on the subject. He said, The way you know God's will for your life is to walk faithfully with Him and then stop and look back over the course of your life and see how God directed you. In other words, the way to find God's will is not to look forward, but to look backward. And over the last year, we have sought to be faithful to the Lord as a church. So before we discuss our vision for the future, let's look back to see what God has already done. Here's some key highlights, and I want to ground them in some of our core values. So one of our core values is to be both biblically grounded and culturally relevant. And so at NBC, we love and take seriously the Word of God. And we also want to engage the culture with the truths of the Scripture— And so this value was modeled in our preaching series this last year. We began the year with our series, His Kingdom Come, that between Christmas and Easter, we explored the life of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. This study helped us look at Jesus' most significant teachings, his most significant miracles, and his most significant moments, which of course climaxed with his death on the cross and resurrection to life on Easter Sunday. Now this year, we also had our biggest Easter attendance in recent history with nearly 600 people in attendance. Praise God for that. In the spring, we went all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and we dove into the book of Genesis through the lens of the family with our series, A Beautiful Mess. Our tagline was this, coming from a dysfunctional family doesn't destine you for a dysfunctional life. And this series in particular received a lot of positive feedback. In fact, let me share with you a note that Pastor Dave received in response to his sermon on abuse. The person wrote, Thank you for speaking on a difficult topic. When you said it was not my fault, I realized I had deep hurt and anger because I was listening to old tapes of wrong messages. God in his divine love was able to show me this thank you. So we praise God that his word is so powerful. Now this summer we enjoyed a series on evangelism called Salt, Light and Barbecue Sauce as well as our at the movie series which was fun. And then in this this fall we completed our seven series through the book of Revelation where we asked the question, what if God wrote a letter to our church? What would he say? It was challenging as we leaned in and listened to God's voice. See, we seek to be both biblically grounded and culturally relevant, and we start here because this value affects everything else that we do. It affects how we serve in the children's area, in the youth program, in small groups, how we do discipleship, how we engage in our mission, how we worship, and how we preach from the pulpit. Every area of our church is grounded in and submitted to biblical authority, and one thing that will never change at MBC is that we believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God, every word of it. Friends, if we continue to expand the table, we've got to make sure there is spiritual food on the table, and it must be nourishing. God says this, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Now, a second core value we have is to build strong families, and families are important to the health of our church. In fact, the church itself throughout Scripture is depicted as a family. Now, whether you're a grandparent, a parent, a child, a spouse, or a single person, all are part of our church family. And one of the specific goals that that we developed for our vision was to see young families be the fastest growing segment of our church body. Not the only growing segment, but the fastest growing because we want to match the demographics of our area. Now one of the ways that we can attract young families is by having quality programming for kids. And one example of this is our Easter egg hunt. Every year, just before Easter, we have our annual Easter egg hunt, and for the first time in five years, the weather did not cooperate this year. It was a bit rainy, but still, several hundred people showed up on campus with their kids, many of whom don't go to church, and we had the opportunity to share the gospel with them and connect on a relational level. Every year at this event, I meet people who say they decided to come because maybe they lived in Spring Ridge or Society Hill. The the uh, Development's right across the street here, and they wanted a fun and free event for their kids to take part in. Now, I have to pause here and explicitly state thank you to everyone who served at this event and made it a meaningful outreach. In fact, thank you for giving of your time, thank you for giving of your talents, and thank you for giving of your treasure, because without you, we, don't, we can't do events like this. Now, in addition to the Easter egg hunt, another large outreach for children is our summer adventure program. Every July, this outreach opportunity attracts hundreds of kids to our campus. In fact, this past summer, we had 25 new volunteers between our summer crew and summer adventure, and that is a big wow. We even had some college students who stepped up to serve when there was great need, which was awesome. We also had our biggest attendance in recent memory. You can see it on a few of these pictures on the next slide. We studied Paul's adventures in Athens. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And indeed, three children heard and accepted the gospel for the first time. Praise God. Now, a third core value is a passion for the mission locally. And so in addition to our outreach to children, we also have an outreach tool for adults called the Underground Sessions. And for those of you who don't know what the Underground Sessions is, it is an event that we created about five years ago to address challenging cultural topics in light of the gospel. Now, this event has been an awesome opportunity to partner with local organizations on common causes, and it's truly been a great outreach to see people who don't know Christ come on campus, hear the gospel, and be exposed to a Christian worldview. Now, the past year, we had two underground sessions events, the one in March focused on the future of humanity and technology, which was our highest attendance to date. There was standing room only in the youth room next door. Uh, The second event was on religious liberty this fall, and that was our 10th event that we've done in five years. Now, here's an idea that was small in in, in its inception, but God has used greatly, And at these events in particular, we've had attenders who have come from secular scientific backgrounds and people coming from different religions attending, because the heart behind these events is to live out what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.15, it's all for your sake so that grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So the Underground Sessions is helping us expand the table. We also have a passion for the mission globally. That missions is not just a local effort, but it is a regional and global effort. And I want to make you aware of an amazing fact about our church. Every year, we send over $200,000 outside these walls earmarked for gospel ministry. That number equates to roughly 20% of our operating budget. Now, you might be asking the question well, is that good? Is that a good number? Most churches give away 10% on the high end. So we're able to leverage our resources for the spread of the gospel all because of your sacrificial giving. Because of your generosity, we are able to live out Jesus' call to make disciples of all nations. Now, this money goes to over 30 world partner missionaries around the globe, as well as five local partner ministries. These organizations include Market Street Mission in Morristown, the Relief Bus, and Calvary Bible Chapel, who minister in Newark, New Jersey, Feeding Hands Food Pantry, who gives food to the poor in Somerville, New Jersey, and First Choice Women's Resource Center, who helps women choose life all over northern New Jersey. Now, in addition to these ministries, our youth ministry, led by Johnny Graves, took 19 teenagers and five leaders to Baltimore, Maryland, sharing the love of Jesus with the least, the last, and the lost in July. In Johnny's words, this trip really challenged our students as they led a VBS all by themselves. And the kids who came were not the easiest to work with. But our teenagers stepped up and loved people for the sake of the gospel, living out what Paul commended in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain. Our women's ministry meets every Tuesday morning and evening, but I want to highlight one specific event they did in April. It was called Cookies for a Cause Military Edition. Now, normally we collect cookies in December for our partner ministries, which we're doing in just a few weeks. But the women's ministry said, let's go above and beyond. In April, they showed 190 military service members the love of Jesus by packing 1,500 cookies for them. Amen. What a creative way to share the love of Jesus. Now, there's so many other things that happened this year that God did. We had great adult classes, we had baptisms, marriage seminars, summer connections, senior lunches, retreats, men's ministry events, so much more that I can mention. But this leads us to where we are today. A few weeks ago, we did a congregational survey. And first of all, I want to say thank you for your participation and honesty. It really shows uh, that you care and want to be engaged in what's going on here at NBC. We've gotten a lot of good information, and the elders and staff need some time to process this over the next few months. However, i got to tell you, the preliminary analysis shows that there has been tremendous improvement in most areas compared with our 2014 survey. And so we thank God for that. At least two things I want to mention stood out. You may not realize this, but our children's ministry has nearly doubled in the last three years. That those, those who rated children's ministry as strong is up 22 percentage points from our 2014 survey. 22 percentage points. And that is a testament to the leadership of Rachel and Lenore, but also to the many, many of you who give your time and talent to love our kids. So from the bottom of our hearts, we just say thank you for that. Because a thriving children's ministry is crucial to accomplishing our vision of seeing young families be the fastest growing population of the church. Now another huge highlight from the survey is that support for our future vision and direction increased by 50 percentage points. Wow. It's encouraging to see that so many are excited about the vision God has given to us as a church. Truly, we want to see the table expanded for the glory of God. Now, during the annual State of the Union speech, the president will typically say, the state of our union is strong. And so overall, that's the message we heard. The state of our church is strong. And as a matter of fact, when compared with the 2014 results, uh, Dave Marks, our consultant from the center, said, this is one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've ever seen, which is so encouraging for us to hear. Now, with all that being said, we do have some things we need to keep working on. And over the next weeks and months, the elders and staff are going to process through the results and will keep you appraised of any adjustments we might make. So that was a journey into the past, a look backward. Indeed, God did great things over the last year, but all of this leads to our second section. We can't just look backward, we have to look forward forward. We have to look forward. And as we look forward, we need to look into the scriptures, securely grounding our vision in the Bible and Christ himself. So listen to the words of Jesus from the Gospel of John thirteen thirty five. He says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now here's the main and unique thing about Christianity. See, before this, Jesus says, I want to give you a new command To love one another as I have loved you. He said, basically, this is it, friends. If we don't get this love thing right, nothing else matters. And I got to tell you, in our polarized society, this is what we need. I mean, just imagine a world where people may be skeptical about what we believe, but amazed by what we do. John the same writer, the close follower of Jesus, wrote these words also in 1 John 3:16. He says, "This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us." And that's the central message of Christianity. That's the gospel. This is what we're called to share, the good news about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in our place for our sins. This is the greatest news in all the world, and it has implications for us. And so that's why our vision statement as a church says this, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate act of profound love to secure us a seat at his table. That because of this act of love, John says, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. What? (laughs) I mean, that sounds extreme, right? Well, listen to John's words in verse 17. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Now, that phrase, has no pity on them, is graphic, right? Literally, it means to prevent passage at an opening. And the King James Version uh, says, if anyone sees someone in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion on him... Talk about graphic. In fact, Andy Stanley uh, makes it even more plain. He says, if you see someone in need and suddenly get constipated, you may be full of something, but it ain't the love of God. In other words, follow his logic, he says that Jesus died for that person next to you and that person across the street from you and for you. And if that's true, then I should also be able to give my extra for that person. Doesn't that make sense? Why? Because our devotion to Jesus is best demonstrated through our generosity towards others. In other words, extravagant generosity is our appropriate response to our extravagant God who first gave to us and now calls us to give to others. Look at how John finishes in verse 18. He says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, our actions communicate the truth about God, not just our words. Because you see, we didn't deserve a seat at the table, but Jesus pulled up a chair anyway. And we couldn't afford the cover charge to get into the party, but Jesus said, I'll pay it for you. It's something we don't deserve. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so our vision statement continues therefore we at MBC embrace others by passionately proclaiming and sacrificially demonstrating the gospel. Did you hear that? That because Jesus embraced us, we need to embrace and love others. If someone is in need and we don't help, John says, how can the love of God be in you? Yes, proclaim the gospel, but it's not just words or speech, it's actions and truth. We proclaim and demonstrate. We show and tell. Does anyone remember show and tell in kindergarten? It was like my favorite day when I went to class. That's what we get to do as Christians. We bring Jesus to our friends and neighbors and show and tell about him. And so that leads us to where we're heading today. So today, I'm excited to share with you some new and exciting initiatives for this year. And in order to do that, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward this morning because they have a brochure to hand out to you. So let me invite the ushers to come forward now to pass out our year-end vision brochure. And as you receive the brochure, I'm going to ask you, don't open it. It looks like this. Don't open it yet. We're going to walk through it together. Another big strength of, our, of NBC is our excellence in graphic design and communication, and Mark D'Augusto, he's in the front there, Mark, wave your hand, awesome. Mark does a fabulous job, of, did a fabulous job of putting this brochure together and capturing the essence of our vision as a church. Now, the coolest thing about the brochure is that it opens like a cross, and when you're done, it'll be open so much that it can actually become a table. So that was Mark's creative way of putting it together. Talk about expanding the table. Now, once you open the brochure fully, but not yet, not yet. Not yet, I see. I see some looking ahead. You will see four tabs around the outside. Each of those four tabs offers an explanation of an initiative that we're planning for 2020. Now, I want to make a disclaimer. This is not an exhaustive list of everything that we're doing. But they are four key initiatives that we want to highlight. So with that being said, please open to the first page of the brochure, just the first page, and stop there, and you will see that there is a note thanking you for your generosity this year. You will see that during 2019, because of your generosity, giving is up 20% year over year. Wow. Now that just blows me away. That is not normal for churches. In fact, I was at a recent coaching session with a bunch of other lead pastors, and I told them about the generosity of our congregation, and they were blown away. They said, I want to come and serve there. On behalf of our leadership, I want to say thank you for your generosity. Now, if you look at the left hand tab, you will see the first initiative we're highlighting campus upgrades. Now, being around for 170 years is a testimony to God's faithfulness, but it also means that we need to keep upgrading our facility with the changing times. But we're not just upgrading the facilities because they're getting old. We are upgrading our facilities so that we can reach more people. Some of these upgrades include purchasing new church vans. Now, our our church vehicles are important to our ministry here at MBC. They shuttle people to service when we need more parking. Some of you take part in that. Uh, they also transport our youth to life-changing retreats and mission trips, as well as people to serve with ministries like the relief bus. Now, one more interesting uh, piece of development is that right down the road, you might not be aware of this, but there is a huge number of new apartment units that are being built in the Dewey Meadow Shopping Center where we shuttle people from to church. And so we're asking God that maybe through these new shuttles, that new people will come to MBC, to hear the gospel, to expand the table for the glory of God so you can pray with us that God would open minds and hearts. We also are looking to maybe repave the parking lot or renovate the uh, downstairs bathrooms and add some safety and security features to the campus. This is all for the sake of making NBC a welcoming environment for new guests. Okay, if you open the next tab of your brochure, so open up, open up, You will see another note highlighting some of our ministry over the last year, but I want to draw your attention to that top tab. This tab highlights our second initiative, Local Compassion through Little Footprints Learning Center. Now, Little Footprints is the preschool here at MBC, and they specialize in providing a Christ-centered education for two-and-a-half through five-year-olds. This school is such a blessing to so many families. Some of you may have even been blessed by it. And it's actually one of the best ways that we reach into our community because people from all walks of life choose to send their kids to Little Footprints because of their reputation. Now, normally throughout the year, we do something called the Sponsor a Child Scholarship Campaign at some point in the year. But this year, Kathy, our Little Footprints director, came to us and said, we're out of scholarship money because we've helped so many families attend the school. Can we have some more support? And so as a result, this year, we decided to combine this effort with our end-of-the-year giving campaign. And so our hope is that through your generosity, we can designate some of the end-of-the-year giving to provide scholarships to families in need. Because these families would not be able to send their kids to Little Footprints otherwise. Pretty cool, right? Now, just imagine what that says to a young family or a single mom who, hel- who needs help to send their kids to school. It says to our community, our church cares about you. Now, if you turn to the next section of your pamphlet, you will see a middle uh, note that outlines the vision of our church, but on the right-hand tab, you will see something that says, Beyond Our Walls, Training for Cultural Engagement. As I have conversations with Christians today, I often hear about the difficulty of sharing their faith in a world that appears hostile to us. Indeed, the times have changed from just 20 years ago. In his book, Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, author Luke Goodrich makes the point of saying that Christians are now seen as a threat in society. And he lists five key cultural changes that have led to this reality. First, the acceptance that there is no absolute truth, that for us to claim that we have an absolute truth makes us a threat. Second, that abortion must be accepted, that if you're pro-life, you're a threat. Thirdly, sexual autonomy must be approved, that if you don't uh, approve of the new view of sexual liberty, you're a threat. Fourth, religion is less important today. And five, finally, religion is more diverse. Now, we're navigating waters that we have not had to in previous generations, and so our underground sessions ministry has been an opportunity for us to receive training and have conversations that intersect with these important topics. And in 2020, we're looking to expand that ministry and live out what Jude writes in his letter, beloved, although I was very eager to, in, to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now that word contend is the Greek word apologia, which is where we get our English word apologetics from. And there's a few key initiatives under this that I want to highlight. First, our Underground Sessions event in March is going to feature an interfaith dialogue between Christians, Jews, and Muslims. The goal is to see people outside the faith come on campus and through conversation and actions hear the gospel. Second, we've launched a brand new podcast. And the goal of this podcast is to have conversations around difficult topics and model how to have disagreements. In fact, I I recorded a recent episode on immigration. Uh, the latest episode coming out this week will feature a conversation with pastor dave and myself on the supernatural spiritual gifts and in order to make this podcast more effective we're looking to build a small recording studio downstairs and so our hope is that this podcast will edify you but also take us outside our walls and finally and i think most excitingly we are starting a new initiative that we're in the spring that we're calling on the road with underground sessions Now, that initiative is just what it sounds like. We are taking this concept on the road to college campuses. We're going to be partnering with CREW, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, on campuses like Rutgers and Raritan Valley Community College. In fact, I'm meeting with some of the the CREW members tomorrow, but I got to tell you, I I threw this out to them, and they loved the idea. They said nothing will get non-Christian students to a meeting like Controversy and Food, which is what we specialize in. And so we're hoping to recreate some of our previous events so college students can hear the gospel. Further in the future, we're planning to host an Underground Sessions conference in the fall of 2021 that will serve as a training ground for other churches to learn how to contend for the faith in a hostile culture. Now, the Underground Sessions is a local initiative, but God does not call us only locally. He also calls us to have a global outreach for the gospel. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples at the beginning of the book of Acts. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so I'm going to ask you to, to, to f- fold down that final tab. See, it forms a cross. I didn't lie. Pretty cool. In the middle, you will see a letter from Pastor Dave and myself. We'll get to that in a minute. But focus on the bottom tab, which says Global Outreach. Acts 1-8 doesn't just say that we should keep the mission local. It says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so we support people all over the globe who are preaching the gospel in hard-to-reach places. One place I want to highlight today is the country of Senegal, West Africa. One of our world partners, Beau Columbine, is increasing his ministry in Senegal, a majority Muslim country. Now, God calls all of us to be on mission, but he has specifically gifted Bo in the area of auto mechanics. He teaches at the vocational training school in the capital city of Dakar, a school that is gospel-based, that has a desire to reach Muslims in the cities of Senegal. Now, in particular, this ministry is giving young boys the opportunity to learn a trade so they can find gainful employment because the unemployment rate in Senegal is 50%. And can you imagine a 50% unemployment rate? Now, literally, these kids might not find work, and they might starve if it's not for Bo. Watch this video that will give you a glimpse
1: of his ministry. One of our team's more creative ministries happens at a place called Foyer Shama. Our teammate, Bo, teaches an auto mechanics course in partnership with a local school for underprivileged Senegalese. Here in Senegal, a properly trained mechanic is harder to find than teeth on a chicken. Combine that with the fact that national unemployment runs close to 50% and you have the perfect ministry opportunity. In the US, Bo managed entire fleets of big rig trucks. Now he spends his days sharing that expertise with about 10 young Senegalese men who are unlikely to find a way to make a living if they don't pay attention in his class. And rubbing shoulders with them day after day while working on vehicles gives him the perfect opportunity to speak into their lives. They gradually realize that his gruff love is their lifeline. To a vocation, yes, but even more, to a faith that brings forgiveness of sin and freedom from spiritual oppression. Only one has made that step so far, but one or two others are beginning to understand. And none of them has a ghost of a chance if not for Bo taking an interest in them and investing in their future. So
0: Bo is using his skills to help reach kids with the gospel in Senegal. And so this year, we have the opportunity to continue to partner with the Columbines in this vision, to provide scholarships for the school, to provide mentorships for young men through business, leadership, and Bible courses. It's really an exciting opportunity. And so through your generosity, you have the opportunity to help us expand this table all the way to Senegal and Africa by supporting Bo as he helps kids find jobs and Jesus. Paul writes this in Romans 10. He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now here at NBC, we have a long legacy of Global outreach because we ask the question, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? That people around the world and in Senegal need to hear of this Jesus. And why do we do all of this? The answer is found in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Let us love with actions and in truth. That's our hope for 2020 and beyond. So there you have it. Four key initiatives, campus upgrades, scholarships for kids, increased cultural engagement, strategic investment in Senegal. And so you may be asking now, well, how can I be involved? Well, that's our final section. We figure that out by starting to look inward. Andy Stanley said it best, vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. And so we can develop that vision. We can't develop that vision without looking inward and asking God, what are you doing in my heart? How are you moving me? Now, over the last three weeks, you've heard our vision as a church. Today, you heard about what God has done and you've heard about some amazing opportunities for 2020. So, right now, I invite you to look inward and ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to my heart? How can I be involved and give? And I want to suggest to you there's three ways. First, you can give of your time. Now, none of this ministry happens around here without people giving of their time to serve. I mean, you heard about uh, the volunteer efforts we have with some of these, these activities. Second, you can use your talents to help our ministry be more effective. We have some talented people within our church. And finally, you can give of your treasure. Now, we're trying something different this year. And you'll hear about this all through our Advent series, but we want to make Christmas meaningful again. What if you used your money to help a preschool child get a Christian education? What if you used your money to help us reach college students through our Underground Sessions initiative? What if you helped Bo Columbine share Christ with more kids? See, all of us want to make a difference with our stuff, but sometimes we don't know how. I know we want to be generous, and I know we want to make a difference, so I'm going, to, I'm going to make this just very simple. Look at that final middle page of the brochure, and you will see a letter from Pastor Dave and myself asking you to partner with us. And so here is our challenge to you today. We recognize that there's so many places that you can give this holiday season, but you've heard what we are about here at NBC, and so between now and the end of the year, we want, you to, we want to challenge you to give to give your very best gift to us to help us finish well by the end of this year. And if everybody in the church and all of you watching at home participate, we think we'll knock this giving challenge out of the park. So, So that's what we're believing God for. And again, here's why. Our devotion to Jesus is best demonstrated through our generosity towards others. That extravagant generosity is our appropriate response to our extravagant God who first gave to us. So friends, as we approach the end of the year, let's give. Let's show our communities now more than ever that we have the ability to come together and make a difference right now and do something great. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And in 2020, we're going to believe that God is going to do more than we can ask or imagine. I'm going to invite our worship team back on stage for one final song. And as they come, let me again say, let's give, because he gave. Remember, we didn't deserve a a seat at that table. Jesus pulled up a chair and said, take a seat. You're my family. And may that be our invitation to others. May we live and give like Jesus. As John wrote, we love because he first loved us. And as we show his love, we expand the table for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your generosity to us that we didn't deserve. Lord, it is just amazing the grace that you have given to us as a church over the last year, the lives that have been touched, and Lord, the possibility of lives that can be touched in the future, Lord. May that, may that move our heart, Lord. May you give us, our, give us your vision for our church, Lord. May we be faithful in following you, Lord. And may we do that all because of what you have done for us. May our generosity be our thank you to you because of your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray.
1: Amen.